Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, everyone. This is an independent music and arts podcast, but it's lately really just a music podcast because the last something 20 episodes have been music based, except for uh, Mr. Cox, who directed uh, Repo Man. But still, we talked a lot about music, so still somewhat a music podcast. Um, and I say independent because uh, I'm beholden to no network. This is just me doing this. And But uh, speaking of music, that song that played us in was called When I Catch the Rains, and that is from Carl Blau. And he is today's guest, and that's from a cassette that was released recently uh, called Live from the Void, and that you can get that at perpetualdoom.com, and that is in the show notes, and so are... All things Carl Blau and Matt Dwyer are in the show notes. Um, you could go to Carl's uh, Bandcamp, his Patreon, and I also have a Patreon. So if you enjoy this conversation and you want to hear more of, there's always bonus footage and uh, blogs, videos, photos, all kinds of stuff on the old Patreon, and uh, you know that helps uh, helps it support both Carl and I on Patreon because that's uh, helps us. Uh, you know, do silly things like feed our kids. Same with uh, buying that cassette by Perpetual Doom. Lou over there at the at the at that label uh, just had a kid, so we, you know we all got kids. We're all starving in these hard times. Um, also, uh, the, my linked tree link is in the show notes, so you can go to social media or merchandise. All things Matt Dwyer is in that, and uh, links to my blog about music. Um, and I would like to remind all of us, just in these weird times of uh, COVID and stuff, uh, support your stages. I've been trying to buy merch from local venues and buying, and Carl and I talk about this, buying uh, music directly from artists on Bandcamp that they get more of that than streaming. It's a weird time for everybody, so try to support and keep artists' heads above water in this weird, 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 weird time. Anyway, this is a great episode with Carl Blau. I've been a longtime fan. He's been this sort of omnipresent um, uh, person and musician in my entire love of music life. Uh, he's always comes up, and people are like, have you heard Carl Blau or the new Carl Blau? So it's... Uh, it was an honor to talk to him. I'd like to thank Kyle Field of Little Wings for uh, suggesting Carl as well as Lou from Perpetual Doom and helping all this get together. And it's a really great episode. He's a great dude, and we really talk about some really cool stuff that I'm not going to tell you about because you could just listen to it right now. So here's my conversation with Carl Block. <laughs> what made you choose to move to Philly? It was a bunch of things. And, um, I've been scouting for a while just cause I knew our landlord was going to kick us out at some point in the next few years. You know, this is back in 2015 or something. And so kind of knew we, we've been always, my wife and daughters and I have been planning on coming to the East coast, you know, should that day arise. And then sure enough, it did. And but com- coming on like, on tour in Philly, I just kind of fell in love with this particular neighborhood of Germantown, which we ended up living in and made some phone calls with um, to some friends around the area and just kind of like easily put this to this scenario together where this great place to stay in a cool neighborhood. And, um, and so we jumped at it and so that was two years ago now. And yeah, it, it's different. It's so different. It's so different than the Northwest, but I did do some time in LA, in, uh, LA, New York and, uh, and uh, lived there for a little bit. So um, I, I knew I didn't want to necessarily go to New York, but New York, I'm glad we didn't. Uh, yeah, New York is just, because uh, I've, I've been to Philly too, and I, I, I like Philly's vibe. It's like, it's urban, but it's not like New York where it's just like in your fucking face every second mm-hmm, of the day. Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. It, is it, there's a lot of space in Philly. Yeah. It's like, a lot of people have a lot of like generally, you know, there are people have larger homes and backyards and stuff. 
<laughs> so it's like <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. It's, not, it's space to make you know get creative and and mental space too because it's cheaper. I, you know, at least in what I've discovered. Um, I found, yeah, I found being creative in New York City was hard because I couldn't get any. I couldn't get a moment of quiet. Like even in a coffee shop, everything yeah. was loud. My apartment was loud. The streets loud. Uh-huh. Like it, it, after a while, I just thought I was. I don't know. It was like it just mentally is a taxing place to live. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Yeah, and then by contrast, it's it's real chill. I mean, I think the there's a bunch of artists kind of forever flocking to these towns that kind of are maintain their kind of ruggedness and and therefore um artist friendly housing situations generally (laughs) that's always been yeah that's always been my reason for relocating is uh, is affordability it's never like oh i want to go live here it's more like oh i can live there (laughs) yeah right right i mean definitely without as part of our conversation like where can we live (laughs) uh but um yeah, we, we like it. Callie, my wife's gotten really involved in like some local, um, organizations that are like helping make sure, you know, connecting people and connecting food to people. And, um, she's, she's really taken to it and, and, uh, yeah. And I've just, I met tons of great musicians. Yeah. It's been a kind of a bummer, you know, since the quarantine, just having moved to a new place, you know, like, I was starting to get to know some people and then suddenly I couldn't get to know, you know, anyone anymore. Like even take some steps back and that was kind of a bummer, but, but we're getting through it. I don't know. So far so good. We're just, I don't know. So good. It's not very good. It's just, um, but, uh, but it's, it's what we got and we're, I don't know. We we're healthy. Um, we have a really nice, nice living space. So it's cool. It's Yeah. yeah. It's hard to connect. I don't know. Like I, uh, so I'm kind of like diving, you know, getting a little deeper into the online community and <laughs> trying to like, try to like get, get, you know, just reaching out to kind of like everyone's just equidistant now. Like every, everyone's as close there as far as they, you know, equally close and far because <laughs> we're all living on the internet. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's weird because it's like that's where all my relationships are now. Is it, are you fairly new to social media? Is that why? I mean, no, no. I mean, I don't, I never, uh, I just, I don't really, um, I don't know. I guess it just hasn't, I think Instagram as the last couple of years has become more appealing because it's just, um, I like the, the pictures and, and following people stories that way. So I've kind of fallen off Facebook just cause it's like another thing and I can't have too many things that I do. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I think, I mean, I was doing Facebook for a while. I think just like, you know, like the flock of birds, I kind of went over to, Instagram, but I don't know. I'm just like, I'm trying to move into this direction now where like through Patreon and Bandcamp, where I'm just kind of going to have, a, I think I'm going to be more off in a corner kind of doing my thing for whoever wants to pay attention, you know, and go off in the corner with me. <laughs> that sounds kind of dirty, but, um, you know, like I, I'm trying to stay out of the, I, you know, it's, it's, you have to make a living, you know, so you kind of have to stay engaged but I'd like to move towards a model where people are just kind of seeking me out and I'm not having to be on social media so much, but, but just doing things more straight across to fans, like through those, through those means of it's, Patreon. It seems to work for camp stuff. some, some musicians. I mean, I'm trying uh-huh. to do the same. I, I mean, uh-huh. isn't Phil Overham, isn't he pretty much just like on his own doing that sort of thing, like putting out record and you were doing, yeah, he, he, yeah, he, and he's, yeah, he's a, but his model is like, he doesn't even need like Patreon. He just like puts out records, you know, and, um, has such a fan base, ravenous fan base that he just like, you know, can, can sustain that way, which is so cool, but not, not easy to pull off. Um, but but, you, but yeah, he is as well. I mean, I feel like you have a solid. I, I, you have been a figure as as 
like I've always heard of like people are always talking about you and people are always like, Oh, Carbon, have you heard Carbon? Have you heard this album? <laughs> it's like, and it, you've always been sort of like this uh, it, it, from where I sit, like this mysterious and kind of cool figure who's always creating something fascinating and new. And, and, and uh, uh, if that makes sense. I mean, that's the goal I'm trying to, trying to do, uh, um, keep it interesting for myself and then hopefully that translates, you know, I mean, um, but yeah, I think, you know, and then kind of diving inward to, um, to figuring out what's exciting to me. I mean, I can, there's sort of like a relative consciousness you can tap, I'm hopefully tapping into, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I've been doing it for a long time. I mean, like, since playing shows and touring since the mid nineties, so it's been 25 years already. It's pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I've just, just started my Patreon like this week. So a lot of kind of new things afoot there. And I'm, I'm starting in like a fanzine kind of magazine, I guess. Uh, not a magazine, but like I'm calling it a zine, but it's, um, just as a way, like, I don't know. I feel like connecting with people like straight across like that. Like this is some information that I've gathered up and sending it to, you know, because a lot, another way I do that is through music and telling stories through that. And, but, uh, I really enjoy making art and and talking through that. And so the Patreon thing is sort of going to be revolving around this zine I'm calling mutable because I think it's going to maybe turn into a podcast someday. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> but it's, it's called, yeah, Mutable. And who knows, like, just, I don't know if it's going to be my band or what, but it's just like a, a, a flow of energy. But it, at this point, it's it's like um, going to be like Trash and Dolls, which I've been doing these like street art kind of things and just all sorts of stuff I'm thinking about and poetry I'm writing and I don't know, recipes. I'm just going, I'm going to make a whole little oh, well, like uh, interactive little thing, you know, just the things on my mind. What kind of, uh, monthly, what kind of recipes I'm always looking at? I, I think I'd start, I'm start, I think I'm going to start with the habanero rest, like a habanero hot sauce, which is really easy just cause I have tons of it, tons of habaneros in my garden. So I've been making, crazy amounts of this hot sauce and giving to my friends it's really simple so it's just habaneros and water and salt and a little splash of vinegar a couple cloves of garlic um but it's like yes did i say salt yeah water oh a little bit of syrup or honey and that's it it's just really simple but it's really tasty it's like a garlic spicy have, garlic sauce do you ever ship those out to people like hey if you haven't yeah i thought you know i want it could keep probably pretty well you know i don't think anything messes with hot sauce but, you know yeah that's good for um, one of your patreon levels that's a good idea that's a great idea. oh my god i'm making so much hot sauce right now it's ridiculous <laughs> i'll send you a picture of, of the habaneros on the plant still and I, i've been making jars of stuff and it's like it's endless i mean i think it's just about over because it's getting cold but have you always it's re- relentless have you always been like a cooking guy or is that like because i feel like everybody um, i think we're yeah. in the same age range and i feel yeah. like suddenly everybody i know in my age range is like i'm barbecuing like or i'm making foodies <laughs> yeah I, it's like this I, yeah. midlife crisis <laughs> well i think i've been into it for a while because um we are all like real sensitive like my whole family is like gluten-free intolerant basically and um um, can't really have sugar, you know, we make allowances for occasions and stuff, but can't, you know, like no grains, no sugar, no blah, 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 soy, corn comes in and out, rice kind of phases in and out. So we just have to, we get our whole world revolves around cooking because we just kind of have to cook, um, and really simple foods like, you know, a vegetable and a protein or something. It's just really simple whole food cooking, but, and it's really satisfying and I feel really healthy from, from that. I just started running. That's my new thing. That's weird. 
I can't believe I'm doing that. Do you run up the, <laughs> do you run up the stairs at, in Philly like uh, Rocky? Oh yeah, do the Rocky stuff. <laughs> I haven't done I think I did do that one time with Poppy for fun because everyone else was doing it and she wanted to do it. Um but yeah, it's that is quite a um that there's people doing that all day long, like literally all day long and then posing by the statue. Yeah. Um, I just, I, my daughter, my older daughter, she's 20 now. She, she takes me running like every day. She, uh, she and her sister and I run, run a couple miles a day now, which is crazy or five days a week, which yeah, if you told me I was doing, I'd be doing that. I could call you crazy. Cause I don't know. It's always been, I've been into sports. I just have never been into running. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I've never been athletic. And uh, I feel like I've also done the same, same thing. I've recently went vegan, which is like if somebody would have told me three years ago, oh, yeah. I would have been like, you're out of your fucking mind. Because I'm a Chicagoan. It's like, oh, we, we, yeah. if we don't have a heart attack by 50, we're, we, we've, we've, we've <laughs> you're <failed>. not living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, home with a hot dog, right? Jeez, but that's why on. I switched because I was like, oh, because I, I, I have kids. And I was like, I uh-huh. would like to see them graduate. So maybe I should live like a guy who wants to see right. <laughs> yeah I, I think it's true when you start having kids you start thinking of those long view weird mind-blowing thoughts of man i better you know rethink this cigarette or <laughs> I, wanna, I don't know it's funny yeah i don't know there's there's a silver lining in the parenting thing come on but with the that's the thing is a lot of people too are afraid that parenting is going to hinder them creatively uh-huh. which i think is always is a weird concept to me because i'm like why would that why would a new experience hinder you creatively did you i mean yeah yeah especially if you were like getting down on the floor and playing with your kids you're only going to like make yourself a more creative person because you're going to be like kind of forcing yourself to be that child mind <laughs> just to like be the buddy <laughs> yeah and it's like to see my daughter's because my oldest daughter is five and it's like to see uh-huh. her fearlessness and just like she just creates like she doesn't think or like worry about oh, what know. the fuck anybody's gonna say and it's like i'm like fuck i want i want that again yeah yeah it's it's true seeing that right before your eyes like wow you just fearlessly tape those things together and like i wouldn't you know like yeah just the bold moves they make in art is really cool yeah it's inspiring yeah uh, no, i'm did you way have, more childlike have any fear of that before because you do lose a lot of time like now i have to like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you have any like oh shit this is gonna really screw things up i mean it did make things really hard for me in the way of like you know being the breadwinner and like trying to like i don't know like i definitely was burning the candle and feeling real hopeless for years of just like how i I mean, it, I think there's certain years that are really demanding as a parent too, and there's other years that are kind of like you feel like you're cruising and everything's kind of settled in, <laughs> just into like a dice roll with each kid, kind of where those years end up, probably. But the, um, yeah, I mean, after getting through one child, you know, through through to their adult life, I, I feel like I'm going to have a lot more time, you know, at the end of this for sure. But but I still. You know, I fight for my time, and I get and I make it happen to to be creative. It's true. Yeah, you definitely have to fight for it. Yeah. You could just you could just relax after work and just and watch the years go by, roll by. Yeah, it's uh, I, well because at the end of the day, like I just want to turn. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I gotta do stuff. Like I have to create because that's one of the small windows I had. <clears throat> but half the time, I'm like, I just want to drink some booze and forget the world exists. <laughs> dance i yeah i'm doing it real hardcore right now because i'm single parenting while my wife's home back in the washington state for um her mother passed away so she's back tending with some some things and and it's been like a month of just um being single dad and that's been really challenging (laughs) like uh, but um yeah it's been it's been a good learning experience for me like Again, I, I don't know. I've kind of been the breadwinner through the in the relationship, and uh, it's good to do your partner's jobs for a while, just to kind of get, just to um, 
remember how hard all the different positions are and just like challenge, you know, it's, I don't know. I feel like I, I learned a lot about her, about, you know, not that I do what I didn't feel like I was taking it for granted, but just having her step away for months. When it's just big. you, it's like it's my wife, you, yeah. she'll go away for two hours. And at the end of two hours, I, I've, I've, I feel like I'm a stockbroker who's just like <laughs> been through like yelling and like trying to survive. Like, oh yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, and it's insanely stressful. You never know. Yeah. And that's kind of just, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, we got a good, we got things dialed in now or, you know, the online school and stuff. And, and then I kind of, I kind of get her going and I kind of bring her food through the day. And meanwhile, in the back room, I'm, working away on my, on the, my music stuff and so striking a good balance here. Finally. And you grew up in Anacortes? I did. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, my wife grew up in Anacortes. Technically I grew up across the Bay, Samish Island, which is just another Island out there. Um, Anacortes is on Fidalgo Island across the Bay is like one of the closest islands is Samish. And, uh, yeah, we. Then I lived. I lived there last the last twenty three years before um, moving here. Well, you know, with some intermittent little jaunts here and there, but but first time really moving away. There's like a myth, at least like because there's like you and uh, uh, as we mentioned, Phil Olverm and like and I. It just seems like there's this magical music scene that kind mm-hmm. of came out of that. Was it? Was there more to it than? people know like i i know definitely know you and phil and it's like yeah there's a lot of great artists there right now i mean i think i know because a lot of because of phil you know a lot of like younger kind of these awesome musician producer minded like folks came to town from like midwest like arkansas missouri area (laughs) and uh and they started doing some cool stuff there. That's like this band Ever Ending Kicks is part of that, and a band Hungry Cloud Darkening. Um, and then, and so there's there's just been sort of an influx in the last ten years of people kind of, I mean, they're hanging out and making music. But also, Hannah, of course, has its own thing. Like I think one of the main ingredients that makes interesting things come out of Hannah Cortez is is the town kind of paying attention and giving it energy and, and acknowledgement, you know? Um, and like the record store, we had the classic record store in town, ta- in town that where, you know, Phil worked and I haunted every day basically. <laughs> um, and, and that was run by, by the way, owned by the guitar player from be happening, Brett Lunsford. And he roped us into his project D plus, and kind of gave us the keys to the back studio kind of place that was like a just a place to record in the middle, you know, at night. And uh, so there's just this, there's this, this, uh, there's a like a tradition of of acknowledgement and and mentorship there that is just really unique, I think. <clears throat> and we've been, we've been. Like five, four or five years ago, I had a venue in town called the Anacortes Music Channel for like a year. And, and then out of that, we started um, this concept of the Anacortes Music Project, which is just basically taking that thing of uh, basically acknowledging the community, the stuff happening in the community, and putting that on steroids, basically getting a group to just really um, go to bat for all these musicians in town and we had like a publication that started coming out called Showtime and which would just boast about all the shows and so we just really did this grassroots organizing and in in just to the community to to acknowledge that what's happening and, and try to start paying bands that were coming through on tour and matching them up with local bands. So we just we had all these started implementing all these things that were sort of laying around that we were already doing, but we kind of made them official. Like we're going to, you know, uh, like seek, seek these connections out with the community. And that's still going. And I left a couple years ago and the show chime is like, a, you know, the 
the person who puts that together is like a paid position by like community um, donations and, and, and of course music project donations. And so just a lot of, we just keep, you know, I think those of us who got a lot out of it, just kind of keep putting back into it. And, um, so as I, there's going to be really cool stuff happening in Anacortes for, you know, the next foreseeable future. The kids are going to be all, you know, you know, show, shown where the equipment room is, you know, basically. And here's the places you can play and, you know, That's all really, that stuff. You don't see, I mean, I feel like the music scene in LA, at least the people I knew from it were very supportive, but not, that just seems like a very special community that you don't. Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows. Like, I think I think there are a, lot, a few of us that kind of got the ball rolling, or you know, I was kind of a part of that ball already rolling. But like, seeing how the value in it myself, I I've definitely been pitching in, and a lot of people of us just kind of realizing how big a deal this was. I've just been been and uh, putting a lot of energy towards it. So it's like I feel like it's just getting started. <laughs> like one of the interesting stuff of it because I know we're talking about make, creating a. A music space now we're talking about putting make um getting a building and um like having a school kind of type thing of course that's all you know at this point things are changing and up in the air and stuff but but yeah i think you'll see you'll hear you'll hear i hear the lonely forest that was another band that came out there <laughs> um Gosh, there's a band called Silm for a few years. One of my favorite bands from Anacorse is called Enduro. And that band is from members from a bunch of different bands through the kind of history of Anacorse rock. But back in the day, in like the 80s, Kay put out some singles from this guy, Brian Elliott, various project of his. One of those was Pounding Surfs, which I cover a few of those songs. And then a few... And then he became, he got some guys in this band called Gravel, which is this grunge era band that was really good. But they were actually released a couple of things on Estrus records. So when I was coming of, kind of coming of age, like lifting my head out of you know, my, my bedroom, like Gravel was, was happening. This is like late 80s, early 90s. And kind of right around the time Nirvana was coming out. And we really felt really special about Gravel because like, it was just, it was one of those bands, you know, at the time. Um, and they like went to Sweden and stuff. It was awesome. And, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, um, I don't know, then, then, then Brian Elliott kept doing great stuff through the years, but now he's fronting this band called Enduro and it's just a really killer rock and roll band from Anacortes. Um, but they don't really play out of Anacortes. They're just kind of Anacortes phenomenon. What was it like when, did he just give you the keys to the studio and you guys had free reign to do? Brett, yeah, he basically did. He, um, he showed me a lot of trust. You know, I was like probably 18, 19. And I think I brought a tape by and, you know, and I was just kind of hanging out, but, but that was a, that was a big deal to just be like, here's a, you know, we, there's an A track in the back. And, and so Phil and I would sort of, um, try, you know, so I think sometimes we even recorded the same nights. We'd like spread out in different parts <laughs> and we come together and do some stuff sometimes, but, but just like a real experimentation era where we were both just like kind of geeking out over the possibilities of sound and tape and stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Cause there's definitely like, to me, when I hear music from Anacortes, there's, it's not like a, a scene where it's like, where like the grunge thing where you're like, Oh yeah, that's all the same. <laughs> but there's like these small fragments of similarity within the sound, but it's, mm-hmm. it's very different and everyone still seems to have their own removed, like unique sound, which I find mm-hmm. really interesting. Cause a lot of times it seems like in a scene stuff becomes too intermingled. Right. I'll like sound the same. And, yeah, they. The, I mean, that Phil and I are both producers, and we just have totally have our own kind of sounds. But the thing, thing maybe have similar is just like a love for really crappy sounding like analog stuff, <laughs> like crappy meaning like you know lo-fi, but like kind of, and then just going taking that into some direction. But yeah, I think we both we both kind of really got into that analog Would feeling you- of recording on a tape. 
would you say that that you guys in that scene was a little bit ahead of its time on that? Because I feel like that definitely became something people started touting a little later. Yeah. I mean, maybe they started touting later because it was just like nostalgic then or something. I don't know. I think for, for us, it was just like computers hadn't quite gotten there where it was like cheap enough to record at home with them, you know, not quite. I mean, they're sort of on their edge. That was still really expensive, and like four track was a really cheap option. I think it's sort of like a punk aesthetic of just like not having the means necessarily, but like just jumping into it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still because I heard that when you that your approach is never the same when you record something you you're not yeah which is uh, I I think rare. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, tr- I'm, I feel like I keep think, thinking I'm working towards something like when I get to be like 60 or 70, I'll like figure it out and it'll be so cool. <laughs> but in the meantime, I just keep like searching for ideas and trying stuff that I never tried. I mean, I never really have the same situation twice. So that's partly why it's always, it's like I'm working in a different studio or I've got a different piece of gear that kind of de- defines it. I don't know. Um, or just like, you know, I'll take a different idea, like a really extreme idea, like a reggae version of the Nutcracker. <laughs> um, that was a long time ago when I did that, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also interested because you have a lot of, um, there's a lot of different styles sometimes. Like I know, notice like Bossa Nova is obviously something. And I was wondering if that is like, is that from influences from your childhood or conscious choices of like, Oh, I'm going to experiment with this. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just, yeah, it's like ideas that I get excited about and I just find the time to do it. And I'm like, well, I just kind of try to work with the, the idea I'm most excited about at the time. And it's pretty random. It's a bunch of random factors. I mean, I definitely got into Brazilian music for a long time and it was like, that's going to keep coming out of my stuff just because I love that music. Um, and, uh, the experimentation of all the Tropicalia stuff I find really thrilling. Um, yeah. Do you think there is a, this is something that's come up recently when I've talked to a few different musicians and it's usually in conversation, not when I'm recording and the, the, but, um, like spirituality and creating. Cause like, I know Kyle field talks a lot about like, you know, p- pulling things out of the ether or, and, uh-huh. and you said something, um, that a lot of the good ideas come at that moment between sleep and, Oh, uh, it being like being awakened sleep like right between that moment which i found uh, really fascinating i know i threw a lot in that one comment <laughs> yeah but did any of that make sense or do i need to reiterate i mean i i don't remember saying that exactly but i can feel that like i <laughs> um i mean i think those i think definitely those times of like right before i fall asleep or right when i get up are the most creative times like in the morning I'm coming out of dreams. I'm not tainted by any information in the day. I just, you know, I have like a real clean, clear kind of open openness, but I have some kind of information from the dreams. And then at night before I go to bed, it's like, I mean, just kind of back to an unconscious state of like, like working without thinking, which I think is important because I think what I want to do, what the information I want to give I don't want to have to um, struggle for that information. Like I want that low lying. I just want to hand over the low lying fruit kind of that feeling of um, that I'm connecting with this thing right in front of me. And I feel like when I'm not thinking that's when I do sort of my best connecting. <laughs> so thinking I kind of can chase away things, but I'm just sort of doing in the moment there, like, can just really be real with a feeling i don't know if that makes sense it's interesting because the no thinking because one would think that to create that you have to calculate and like really think but 
it's quite the opposite. You have to sort of be right. freed. And um, there's uh, in impro- in improvisation, there was a teacher who would say that your first thought is usually not the one you should follow, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. which I always found interesting because it's like usually your first impulse can tend to be more base and not and that to like and then like to open up and try to find something higher if that makes sense yeah right i mean it sort of depends on what you're going for because um i think you know a lot of jazz musicians would be like first thought best thought because they're just like they're just doing their thing and then i know that's arthur russell's thing first thought best thought and i i like i like both those approaches for different reasons because i think sometimes those first thoughts can just be just so honest. And then, um, but if you think a little deeper and you, cause you want to have, maybe you want to connect in a conscious way to a specific feeling. And I think that does take a little bit deeper thought. I think the first thought is like wind blowing and you just kind of get what you get. Um, and then, then, but to like dig deeper under that and, and, if you're, if you're really trying to connect to a specific feeling, I think, I think then, then you want to going deeper. It seems right. I think to be able to use those different, you know, different aspects would be really great. And that's, that's, I think getting back to my trying everything, like I want to be limber in all these creative ways just to be as in the moment as I can practicing in the moment, but, but to be able to like also work on something and, and refine it is super valuable yeah i think there's a myth where with like like Kerouac's on the road people think that he just sat down and did this stream of conscious thing mm-hmm. and the book was done and i'm like eh, i'm pretty sure he did rewrites <laughs> like nothing yeah. comes that nothing that large comes that quickly right i'd be, I'd be impressive i mean and it, it, it and even if he did write it down it wouldn't have come that quickly these would have been like things he would have been stewing about for a long time you know like yeah, it wouldn't have been you know it would have been had to probably been like things he'd been sort of rehearsing. I guess not in this. I don't know. Or maybe he's rehearsing that getting in the mode of just being open and, and letting a story come through. I don't know. That, people people are amazing. Interesting thing that you said is stewing, which I, I, I think you, I don't hear a lot of people talk creatively about that pre stewing and just letting it's almost like steam building in your head, like create and then do, like you right uh, I don't know can you speak to that at all or that, that uh, simmer simmer <laughs> simmer <laughs> simmer on it <laughs> and just like let it steep and, and and then you know like yeah maybe don't write stuff down just like let 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 stuff bubble up to to a kind of a frothing point when you just like have to get to a piece of paper because there's just more than you can hold Something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, when working on, because you did the album uh, introducing Carl Blau, which is um, first of all incredible. But was Thanks, that, man. was it freeing to not ha- to record songs that were not your own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. It was exciting to look at the parameters that I could play with, like the way that I phrase things and just my relationship to the songs. Of like the, the the emotion I put behind the songs, like just to focus on those things, kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, I like to every once in a while get out from behind the guitar because I feel like kind of boxed in by that. And also, like I do a lot of projects where I wear all the hats on all the the whole project, and I'm like, you know, recording it and playing all the instruments, and and it's just like to have to go into a project where I get to just like laser beam focus on one aspect of it. It's really exciting. Cause I can put, I can put a lot of energy behind that laser beam, you know, like, <laughs> but you know, often I just have to fan the thing out and sort of, and try my hardest to be, you know, accurate and, and, and make something interesting. But, but yeah, just to like focus on the focus on the um, songs was super exciting and fun process all the way through and get in get, just get, you know, my, best friends to to uh, play the music which you know i trust with my life it was just it was it was a really exciting project i was kind of just the cheerleader at the sessions uh and uh, it was fun <laughs> i was curious because uh, what the as a listener i 
my thought was that you had, and this could be completely wrong, but like it felt to me like these were songs that you cherished and had a lot of, like I was like, are these songs that like spoke to him as a child or like, there, there was... you know, yeah, it wasn't that at all. Um, it was that way for Tucker Martin who chose the songs. It was like songs. It was exactly like he said, like songs he cherished, and like I think some classics from like his childhood. It's definitely like I became the voice of his story. I mean, I feel like introducing, you know, it's a Carl Blau album only in the way that it's presented, but. And we kind of had some discussion before the record came out. I was like, this should be like an analog album featuring Carl Blau because, you know, he did the producing of the whole music, you know. But that's not how albums used to be made. Like, oh, I hear that baby back there. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's that albums used to be just like, you know, the the singer would just come put the cherry on top at the end. And that's how these hit records are made. And and Tucker just really wanted to try that. And but the story and the actual songs, we we did a lot of like, he sent me tracks and I would send him back demo versions of, of the songs he'd, and he, but he came up with that list of, of tunes. Um, how does, how does one find an emotional connection to a song that isn't their own? <laughs> yeah, I, it's a good question. Um, I mean, anyone can sing any song. Um, but I think everyone will have some different way of, of singing any song, you know, like a specific song. So you've got, a, you know, millions of variations to, but um, for me, it's really easy to connect with these songs. Cause like they're sort of the same character, like this hardened dude who sort of like opens his chest for a moment and you get to kind of see into their, their vulnerable side. That's sort of like how I define country music maybe a lot too. It's just these sort of hardened characters but that flash their vulnerable vulnerability and that's what's so appealing about the 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 presentation. Um so yeah, I don't know, I just was got into that character of this guy, this kind of lonely lonely cowboy sort of who's <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Do you do that with other songs? Like, feel like th- that you have to put on a character? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think every song kind of has its smell. You know, it has its thing going, and I just try to tap into. I don't know. I just tap on my own variation of what you know. I don't, I, there's. I don't think there's any um, conclusive, uh, you know, presentations of it. Any song necessarily. You know, it's all open, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I think for my songs that I write, even some of them, yeah, I feel like I kind of have to get into a, a mindset or like a, there's this, I don't know if it's a character or a certain emotion that I'm tapping into. Um, that's, uh, but those songs, yeah, I mean, I can feel it in my body. I can just feel like a shift when I go to sing these songs. Um, they definitely have a, they carry a different place in my, inside of me or, that I accessed. I mean, there's a different, there's a different place I access. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always curious about that. Cause when you see somebody perform a song, like the emotional state that they go in and like one thought I've always had is like when you sing, sing a song about a girl that you're in love with and then you guys break up, <laughs> but you still got to tour the you song. You still have to sing that song. I'm always yeah. like, how do you like, do you find, and I don't know if you've ever had that in your, yeah, but I'm like, or any emotional state. Like, how do you shift that if the your connection to the song changes? Right, that's a good question, and maybe that's maybe that's why those they just they, eventually they don't work. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I think they in rare cases they can keep working, but yeah, I think that you'd have to be really yeah you'd have to be really skilled performer to to keep that interesting, right? To, for for yourself and for other people who kind of are in on the story or whatever. I, I think that, you know, uh, the function of music is sort of ceremonial. Um, you know, it has, that's one of its functions anyway. Like, um, I feel like bar music, you know, like singing those tunes of being lonely and 
and miss, missing your girl or whatever. I don't know. That seems to be a good fit for the ceremony of <laughs> drinking alone or whatever people are doing there. Um, but, uh, yeah. And there's, there's, there's just a time. I don't know. Context has so much to do with this conversation. Of, like where you're presenting the song, what time of day. Yeah. To who, to who. I've just like I've always wondered too. It's like to the Rolling Stones. I'm like, are they fucking sick of these songs already? Like it's been- God. They just keep rocking that stuff. It's just <laughs> like, I think they, they just love it. They just they love that place. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's that 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 because I'm like. I used to perform and I was just like, there were things where I just, after a while, I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to do this again. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Maybe that's why I was never that good of a performer. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, uh, it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a, how do you get into tunes? I mean, I think, I think, uh, I've been thinking about it lately too, like just um, the voice behind the song. You know, because I'm I'm kind of I'm focused right now on writing a new set of tunes, hopefully to do the Tucker. Um, that would take that introducing record and sort of bring it into the future with um, original songs, but like in that vein of that of um, that kind of classic sound. And I've been really thinking about the the voice of when I sing and the the, the person behind that. And it, it's going to be different than introducing because introducing was a, a little while ago now. And I've been singing those songs for so long that I've just really developed them. I kind of I always wish you could sing some some albums over, but because <laughs> you just you know once you do that on tour, you like you unlock a bunch of different meaning behind the song. It's like oh now I know I feel like I know how to sing that but it's locked in the cage of that original recording <laughs> forever. I found that interesting because some artists, none of which I could name off the top of my head, but have, I've always like put an old song on a new album, but a different version. I'm like, yeah. And now that makes sense to me. Cause I've always been like, are you just being lazy <laughs> or, but, right. but now that makes sense. It's like after you perform it for so long. Right. It, it becomes a new thing. And yeah, and then you want people to kind of jump on board with that too, maybe. But also, like, yeah, um, the new shoot. Where am I going with this? I think I lost my train of thought. It's uh, okay. okay. Bill Bill Evans was obsessed with um, a song. Oh yeah, it wasn't one of his. It was. Uh, I, I think it's a, an artist. I think it was an artist, which was written by. Miles Davis but there's a great article about it in Believer about how he like just obsessed about that song for years and performed it and, and just kept re yeah re like, um, uh, arranging it and I guess at the uh-huh. end of his life he was going to do a big like hour like an hour version of it like where he uh-huh. but then unfortunately he died it was like it was like the house that he should never finish building because when he finished it it would he would just die like that yeah yeah, yeah the classic story that's what I was gonna say is that that um gosh how did what um the uh God, I lost my angle again. I had it. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be. I'm making dinner here, um, like for for a poppy. Maybe the smells are going to my head, but um, I just had the angle too. So it was, we're talking about songwriting, but with the angle of um, oh shoot, I lost that train. It was reapproaching a song. Yeah, reapproaching a song. Right. This is thank you, because in the because the classic like think about like the sixties, for example, like pop music, everyone's covering the same songs. Like, yeah. you know, when a hit song came out, everyone did it and re-recorded the thing. And I just, I, I love that. That's cool. I was, I've been thinking that lately, like I have so many friends who write amazing songs. Like I never have to write another song again. You know, I just kind of cover my friend's songs. I mean, if, I will keep writing songs cause I love the process, but, but there's just so many hit songs on the floor. And I was thinking that even like just to mess with my friends, like when they come out with an album, just like come out right after them with like, oops, with a, 
with versions of those songs. <laughs> Some of the hits. I know you know. I know you know Adrian, uh, teacher from uh, the Apollo. Yeah, Girls, and he just did a thing maybe six or eight months ago where he just did covers of all the local bands. Oh, cool! That's so great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his band and have been for years. Yeah, Paul Ghoster, so killer. Like, Two yeah, he did. Yeah, he, you know, he um, got my attention. Well, initially, I think he already like, but he he did a whole album of um, or like an EP of songs from this concept that I have. Shoot, I keep getting that tripping. Jeez, sorry, man. Um songs from uh from this concept that i had started 15 years ago of like putting up free lyrics on my website and so he took a bunch of those lyrics and just did a whole album of them um oh that's cool and then he printed them out which is super cool with with the little thing like the little that he so with the ep you got the printed lyrics and then and then now they're printed, which the free lyric concept now is like printed and living on this other plane. It was just so cool. And that kind of got me inspired to do a printed version of the, that project. But yeah, he's, he's like so in, in, inspiring and, and just sort of interesting, cool person. Yeah. I was like, he's so like, uh, I, I, I I emailed him. I I discovered him from like a blog, Kenton uh, oh, really? Seat, like years ago. I just when I was cool. single, I would just drink late at night and go music blog to music blog. <laughs> yeah, and then I found him, and I was like, I just was always like, these guys are so unique and interesting, and like uh-huh. he clearly doesn't give a fuck about making money because I emailed him. I was like, hey, yeah. I'd like to buy a T-shirt, and he was like, I'll just send you one. I was like. Okay. I know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's Adrian for you. Yeah, well, he's a teacher. He actually is a teacher, and he um, that's that's how he makes his money. And he just like tours in the summers <laughs> and breaks. What, what, so, what was this thing that you were doing with like free? You would just post lyrics on like to yeah, I not attached to a song or. Well, they I would make songs out of them too sometimes, but they were just like yeah, lyrics I came up with and I. It was just like a giant scroll um, that was just like lyrics you could take and use, you know, all of them or just a couple lines and make something else or whatever you want to do. It's like just kind of lyrics, lyrics to use. And, I, and then I just this last year, I published a book called Rhizomes, which is a poetry book of, of these lyrics. Of, not these lyrics, it's like a, this is my latest lyrics that I'm giving away. But there's, yeah, more free lyrics. And it's kind of fun. I'll see you a book, Matt. It's, um, it's, uh, it's fun. There, there's lyrics on the print on the left side, and the right side just has lined paper. So you can actually riff off of the lyrics straight in the book. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, yeah, it's super fun. And it's, yeah, I'm all, I've got a few, few of them more to sell, but they, they're out in the world. It's pretty exciting. Uh, I was told to ask you about, and I think it was during the recording of Close Your Eyes, uh-huh. uh, recording, th- just throwing silverware and recording it. Was that on that album? <laughs> uh, that was a Kyle Field uh, recording silver. Oh yeah, there was a, there was a, yeah, there's a moment in the song Computer when everything just kind of falls onto the floor and like in a big spill, it's like a spill sound, but, uh, um, all sorts of percussion instruments probably, you know, forks and knives and stuff. I can't remember. Maybe it was just the, the silverware. Sounds like it might be in my mind. But, um, I don't, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm, I'm, I'm notorious for the recordings of just like doing stuff and like, at the end of the night, I like I look back on everything I recorded and happened and all the crazy stuff I tried, and it's like I don't even know remember what I did. So <laughs> another day in the office. Next, do you just get in like you a know? zone and you're like, "Fuck it, we're gonna throw stuff." Yeah. I get in a zone and I just yeah, I'm just like one with the recording, and I'm like not paying attention to myself at all. I'm just doing what the recording wants to hear, and at the end, like I come out of this, like yeah, it's like a shaman, mystic, I don't know, like mind walk place but yeah i just i love that space and that's in recording is just it's so fun for that for just getting out of your head and 
throwing pain against the wall. I mean, it's not always like that, but sometimes it's more calculated tracking saxophones and being really kind of trying to be really on point, you know, but but I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't want to like paint myself. Like I just like, I'm always improvising, but it's a lot of improvisation. It's just what's fun for me. I, I mean, I would imagine the same as like when you discover a, the in, the intricacies of a song during touring, probably the way you approach the studio, you're like, I got this song. And then when you get in there, it becomes a whole different. Ex- yeah. I, and I, and I think that's really important to just be like open to what, what's alive at that moment in the studio and not trying to like coax something that you're hoping to get, but just like trying to get in touch with what is actually happening. That's, that's the key. And like you said, you said you've been doing recording and touring since the mid nineties. Uh-huh. How do you, how does that stay? How do you keep creating and discovering? Uh, not creating, but like, how do you keep that sense of discovery alive? I mean, I, I don't find it very difficult. It's, um, I just think the world of music is so vast and like open and just when I think I understand everything, like I'll discover a new vein of music. I'm like, this is crazy. And just kind of blows everything up. And I don't know. I'll try to think of an example lately. Um, uh, I don't know. Honestly, I just found this vein of like Caribbean music at the thrift store. It was just blowing my mind. It's like indie Caribbean. So good. It's like from the seventies, kick shorty and, King Short Shirt, not King Shorty, King Short Shirt, Will Sparrow. I don't know if it's indie, but it's just like, sounds really um, lo-fi sometimes. And like, but it's like super high energy. And I don't know, been on like kick a little bit, listening to that and some classical music that I just stumbling on that I hadn't heard. Do you, uh, do you, were you just, do you just like uh, bin, bin, uh, bin search like records and just be like, oh, cause I find like, and I don't obviously create music, but like I have found like if I find cheap compilations of like Brazil, oh, yeah. music, like sometimes those, they're a buck and usually those are like the fucking gems. Yeah. Yeah. I do try to pick up comps on vinyl cause those are always like, you always find like a gem on there. You know, if, even if there, there's nine out of 10 songs that are crap that one <laughs> you know? but I, I just do I just I just go through I just go to the local thrift stores and find stuff I'm really just playing with fate that it's gonna like keep feeding me with information and it tends to but I mean uh yeah and then like friends send me links and stuff I check out but I'm not really I'm not on internet like searching stuff I'm just kind of blowing around the wind out out in the real in the world more like, I mean, and I wouldn't, not that I'm against searching for things. I just like, that's just such a vast word. I can't even go there. It's just so crazy vast. I've been like, <laughs> it's, it is really, I've been, oh, but that, you know, there's great music coming out all the time. I mean, if you ever go around Bandcamp, it's like ridiculous amount of music happening every day. Yeah, I've been trying to be more uh, on Bandcamp instead of streaming, and because I feel like too with what's losing our stage, like you know the threat of losing yeah. losing a lot of our stages. And I know just from musicians I've talked yeah. to, like that not being able to. Too, I'm friends with Ryan Katner from Man Man, and he's like, he's like, I need to tour and I can't, so he's trying to find creative ways. Right. But so I, as a fan and somebody who I try to support and through Bandcamp, that seems to be the best way, right? For for the for the bands. Everyone loves Bandcamp. I think I think it's unanimous with 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 musicians that Bandcamp is is the best because it's just like you know it's the lion's share. It goes to the artist. Great. It's like you know whatever, like ninety percent or something. I don't know how much it is exactly. Oh, fuck, that's great. Like that's that's so- a good amount. A post. Yeah. Did you? It's important to 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 know that as a fan that like. But um, I mean, I you know I, there were things about Spotify that I really um, enjoyed as an as a touring artist. Like, and I don't know you as a musician, you you'll understand this too. But when I'm not touring, like, I don't know, a quarter of my crowd maybe is like people who heard me on Spotify, and Spotify told them that I was playing in their neighborhood. And that's where they're at the show. Oh, that's so cool. that was a 
that was a really big deal for me personally. And I don't hear people talk about that very much, but and you know, I agree that you know with all this stuff, but at the same time, like that that was huge for me. Like it just that they were organized enough to to uh, get people to to, to contact, get, get in touch with people or like put in front of them. Real important question. What are you making uh-huh. for dinner? Uh, I'm doing breakfast for dinner, dad, dad style. Poppy just sent me, a, she gave me a note while I was on the phone. She's like, hash browns. <laughs> so I, I said, okay, I, I'm starting to make some hash browns. I finished those. She's like, eating those and there's bacon and eggs on the stove. I got to get her to eat some, got some sauerkraut she's going to have. She needs some salad with that. Maybe carrot. Got some salad. Yeah, so it's it's a classic dad dad dinner. But I actually made a wonderful squash soup that we had for lunch. That <clears throat> so it's not all breakfast over here, but pretty close. <laughs> I want that rumor to start about you that you're just all breakfast dad. Just all breakfast. I do mean migas for breakfast actually. Um, migas. It's like a fried tortilla, eggs, breakfast. It's wonderful. It's, it's probably some. I probably had it for like every day for like three years, for one part point in my life. It's bad. It was an honor, uh, really. I I love your music and uh, thanks, man. And uh, and uh, and your voice, your sweet voice, is pretty good. Thanks, buddy. Thank. Really appreciate talking to you. It was great. Let's bring everything down